the four major needs of a man are different than the four major needs of a woman. Now this doesn't sound good, but it's a true statement. If you marry someone normal, they're not like you. Okay, that doesn't sound good. But if you married a normal, I thought, I just, you know, I thought, Karen, she's the most attractive woman in the world, but gosh, she's so weird. You know, oh, you know, she was just so strange. And, and the reason she was strange is she wasn't like me because I'm the epicenter of normal. <laughs> Normal's me. Anything. So she was just so different than me. And I, most people take the energy that God gave them to love each other trying to change each other. And in many marriages, it's a battle of who's, who's going to win. Is this going to be a woman home or a man home? Is it going to be a home where my needs prevail or your needs prevail? Let me say this. In a Christian marriage, it's a win-win situation. No one loses. Everyone gets their needs met. But when, they're, when you have a bad marriage, it means I'm rejecting your inherent differences. Let me say this. When you reject my needs, you reject me. I'm Jimmy Evans, co-host of the Marriage Today podcast. Today we have a great teaching for you that I pray grows your marriage and blesses you as you seek to center your marriage on Christ. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to be notified of every new show. God bless you. Jesus came to a woman at the well of Samaria, and she'd been married five times, and she was living with a man. And Jesus said, lady, if you keep drinking from that water, you're going to keep being thirsty. But if you knew who was talking to, to you, you would ask me for a drink, and you'd never thirst again. This woman was trying to get her deepest needs met from a human being, and you just can't do that. The most important issue in marriage is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, because only God can meet your four deepest needs, which are acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. No human being can meet those needs. When you get married and you don't have a, a close relationship with Christ, you're gonna automatically transfer the expectation of your needs to your spouse and you set your marriage up for failure because your spouse can't be Jesus for you. Only God can meet those needs. So when Jesus found this woman, he felt sorry for her. She'd been divorced five times and now she was cohabiting. You know, she was beat up and she had given up on marriage a lot like many people have today. But when Jesus found her, he went to the root of the problem and said, lady, you're just drinking from the wrong well. And if you would just change sources, that it would change everything. When Karen and I get up in the morning, the first thing we do is get along with God. We did it this morning, we do it every morning. And the most important thing we do for our marriage is to pray and to read the word of God and let God deal with our hurts, our fears, our insecurities, our needs, our desires. And then out of the overflow of God's love, we love each other. We simply don't have the ability to love each other in a healthy, functional manner without first having a relationship with God. We remember down in the Garden of Eden, it was not Adam and Eve. It was Adam and Eve and God. And everything was marvelous as long as God was there. When God left the garden or when he kicked them out because of sin, that's when all the problems happened. We desperately need a relationship with Jesus Christ. But there are needs that we meet in each other that, that are important. In other words, if we could meet our own needs, we wouldn't get married. But we get married because we need to meet each other's needs. Um, meeting each other's needs, it creates and maintains the attraction between each other. It truly does. Met needs are, are a huge thing in just maintaining the health of the relationship and minimizing outside risks. Is When you're meeting each other's needs, it doesn't mean that there would never be a problem, but it means it minimizes outside temptation when we're meeting each other's needs in marriage. There are several 
problems when we're meeting each other's needs in marriage, common problems. And the first is the rejection of the inherent differences in the opposite sex. Your spouse is different than you are. The four major needs of a man are different than the four major needs of a woman. Now this doesn't sound good, but it's a true statement. If you marry someone normal, they're not like you. Okay, that doesn't sound good. But if you married a normal, I thought, I just, you know, I thought, Karen, she's the most attractive woman in the world, but gosh, she's so weird. You know, oh, you know, she was just so strange. And, and the reason she was strange is she wasn't like me because I'm the epicenter of normal. Normal's me. Anything. So she was just so different than me. And I, most people take the energy that God gave them to love each other, trying to change each other. And in many marriages, it's a battle of who's, who's going to win. Is this going to be a woman home or a man home? Is it going to be a home where my needs prevail or your needs prevail? Let me say this. In a Christian marriage, it's a win-win situation. No one loses. Everyone gets their needs met. But when, they're, when you have a bad marriage, it means I'm rejecting your inherent differences. Let me say this. When you reject my needs, you reject me. When I'm telling you what my needs are and you keep rejecting that, that's rejection. It feels like rejection. It's frustrating. And so when I'm telling you what my needs are, I just need you to believe me. And I need you to accept that. And I'm gonna talk about what our needs are here in just a minute. The second problem that we have is translating our spouse's needs into our language, which is really frustrating. Men, one of a man's primary needs is sex. I'm gonna talk about that in just a minute. One of a woman's primary needs is affection, non-sexual touching and affection. So a man goes to his wife and says to her, I need sex. And a woman has sometimes a problem processing that because she's thinking you're a pervert. You, I'm not feeding the monster. You want way too much sex. What you actually need, I'm gonna translate this for you. What you actually need is just to be held. Come here. And he said, no sister, I need sex. That's as complicated as it gets right there. But she's translating. So a woman comes to her husband. And by the way, this is how different men and women are. Uh, men, when men are asked how important sex is to them, it's always like one, one or two right, right up in there. And women were asked in one survey how important sex was to them. It was ranked 13th. Number 12 was gardening together. That's wrong. So... A woman comes up to her husband and says, honey, can't you hold me? Well, can't you just hold me? No funny business. Can't you just hold me? There's not a cell in a man's brain that can get that. <laughs> and so you can't you just hold me? You're saying, yeah, you, you, you want me. Just admit it. <laughs> right. Who can blame her? <laughs> so what we do is we tell each other what our needs are, but we just, we just translate it. And it's just frustrating. No, that's not what I need. I need what I said I needed. But because we reject the fact that we're different, we can't talk without translating it and then trying to meet your need in my way, which just ends up with more frustration. Another problem that we have is selfishness, you know, just being selfish. The greatest marriage is two servants in love. Now, let me, let me say this. The worst marriages are two masters in love. Okay. Two servants in love is a phenomenal marriage. I like this picture of heaven and hell. Um, it's, not, it's not biblically accurate, but I like, I like it anyway. It's, uh, I heard someone tell this story one time, the picture of heaven and hell. 
In heaven, there's this banquet table and it's just phenomenal. The angels are waiting on you. It's just this incredible food and heaven and God is there. And everyone has utensils strapped to their arms that they can't take off. And these utensils are so long that you can scoop the food and serve somebody else, but you can't serve yourself. It's too long to feed yourself. Hell is the same way. Hell is this wonderful banquet table. God isn't there, but it's a wonderful banquet table. And they're all sitting in hell and they have the same utensils on and the same incredible food in front of them. But the difference between heaven and hell is in heaven, everyone is sitting, helping each other eat and serving each other. But in hell, they're so selfish, they starve to death without serving each other. The food is there, but they're just all so selfish that they won't help each other out. And they can't. Listen, if we could meet our own needs, we wouldn't get married. If, if I could take the utensils and somehow feed myself, I wouldn't have a need for Karen and she wouldn't have a need for me. The greatest, greatest marriages, and see, you have what it takes to meet each other's needs. All the banquet is set before you every single day. And the heaven marriages are the marriages where we're just sitting here all day long loving each other and meeting each other's needs in your language, not in my language. I'm doing for you what you need me to do, what you couldn't do for yourself. And you're doing the same thing. It's two servants in love feeding each other. The worst marriages are the hell marriages where we're both so selfish or one of us is so selfish. Where I'm just gonna sit there and watch you suffer, but I'm not gonna serve you. We have to serve each other in order to have the kind of marriage. You have what it takes. But let, me, let me say this. You know you have what it takes because you fell in love. And the way you fell in love was feeding each other. Every couple falls in love the same way. And that is being sensitive to each other, being sacrificial and servant-hearted, and you fell in love. We get into bad habits sometimes when we're married. And sometimes we just don't understand the differences in our spouse. So let me talk about the four major needs of men and women and how to meet those needs. Now I'm gonna begin with men, but ladies, be patient with me because I'm gonna get to the, uh, your needs here in just a minute. Four needs of a man and how to meet them. Number one need of a man is honor and respect. This is our mega need. Women have a mega need and men have a mega need. This is our mega need. And when the Bible says in Ephesians 5.22, wives submit your husbands as to the Lord, in verse 33, it says you respect your husband. Men and women are totally equals. The verse before that says submit to one another in the fear of Christ. So I don't believe in a, in a concept of submission. Women should, should submit because they're not as equal or you know, something like that. Men and women are completely equals. What, what is being tried to, uh, what Paul is saying here is respect your husband like you would the Lord. Not the way your mother did your father. Not the way you see on television. Not the way your friends do their husbands. How would you respond to Jesus Christ? If you, were in a, if you were in a relationship with Jesus and you were responding to him, that's the standard the Bible gives for women because men have a need for respect and honor. It's our biggest need. Is Men gravitate to the place where they get honor and respect and they run from any place where we feel like I may be disrespected. And again, it goes back to this, this issue of the way that women talk to their husbands is you say anything you want to say. It's just the how issue. And I want to talk about how to give your husband honor, just the practical aspect of if you ought to do it, then how do you do it? Well, the first is allow him to fail. How do I honor my husband? Let your husband fail. I'm not talking about self-destructive behavior. 
I'm not saying that your husband is in some kind of a, a destructive behavior and you just stand back and let him fail. But I'm just saying your husband's imperfect and he's going to fail. Don't scream when I say that. You know, don't want you to be too shocked. Your husband's imperfect and he's going to fail. A lot of the damage that women do in their marriages is trying to keep their husband from making a mistake. Okay. I love Joyce Meyer's story. One day, her and her husband Dave were in the car driving. She's telling this story in one of her teachings. And they were in the car driving. You know how it is when you're driving. You know, it's just. Uh... <laughs> and I, I've got the most emotive wife in the world when she, she has a name for everybody on the road. And she talks to everybody on the road. And she screams and grabs the dash and all those kind of things. And we, we've learned to live with it. You know, it's just one of those things. But um, Joyce Meyer was right, driving down the street with, uh, with Dave one day. And she was telling him, you know, turn here, stop, go, all the things that, you know, wives do. Their husbands. So Dave was mad. Uh, he, was, he was mad. She was frustrated. And they were at a stop sign. And the Lord said to her, they were sitting there. And, you know, he was mad. She was frustrated. And she was telling him all the And the Lord said to her, why can't you shut up? I'm going to milk that for just a minute longer. I, in other words, just let him go his own way. Let him make a wrong turn. Let him get lost. And by the way, men don't get lost. We're just, we're just, it's an adventure. And we don't need some stinking person telling us what to do. And, but, let him make a mistake. Let him, you don't have to correct him for everything. That's not your role, is to correct your husband for everything. Just let him make a mistake. And you, you support him. And in other words, I'm not talking about self-destructive behavior. The second thing is confront your husband, but let God be the enforcer. You're his equal. You can say anything that you want to say. But the question is, who's the enforcer? You go to your husband and say, honey, I don't agree with that. I, I think that's wrong. I, I don't think we ought to be doing that. And your husband says, ah, and he does it anyway. Get in your prayer closet and ask God to get him. You know, just, that's what my wife does. She has a relationship with Jesus. Let me say, if you're telling the truth, God is on your side and he can change your husband and it won't drive your husband away from you. Okay? If you're wrong, he would correct you. There's not much of a chance that you're wrong. But there's a chance. There's a chance. You tell your husband, honey, this, I'm not the enforcer. The Holy Spirit is the enforcer. And men need to do the same thing. Otherwise, you do nag. And you get into a fear mode, not a faith mode. First Peter 3 talks about women can change their husbands without a word as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. And it says that a gentle and quiet spirit is precious in God's sight. And listen, gentle and quiet is not a mousy little beaten down woman. Because I know some of you have very strong personalities and you're offended by that. And I don't blame you. Okay. Gentle and quiet is the opposite of rough and loud. And the reason that you become aggressive is because of fear, typically. Something, my husband's going to make a mistake, and I've got to stop him. No, you need to say what you need to say, and you need to trust God to change your husband. Again, if it's destructive behavior, call somebody in. I'm not saying stand back and watch your husband self-destruct. The next thing is honor him where you want him to be, not where he is. Honor him. This is what Karen did for me. Proverbs 31 talks about the excellent wife, and it says her husband is an elder in the gates of the city. It attributes it to her, not him. Her husband is an elder in the gates of the city because of her. In other words, her husband probably wasn't acting like an elder in the gates of the city 
but she treated him as though he were an elder in the gates of the city, and he became, according to her, her level of honor. Listen, men become in an atmosphere of honor. Men will do anything for honor. We're crazy for honor. And so when a wife is honoring her husband beyond where he is, undeserved honor, in, in, in other words, speaking destiny into your husband, beyond what he's doing right now, what do you see in your husband? What did you see in him when you were dating him? And you honor him at that level. He, he rises to that level of honor. And the number four is cover his faults and focus on his strengths. The devil, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And he's always accusing, constantly accusing. And what the devil wants us to do is constantly think about the worst qualities in our spouse. What God wants to do is us to constantly think about the best qualities in our spouse. This is men and women, both. And when the, when the devil has had our, his way, our minds become negative in fault finding and all we do is see the wrong thing. And you know, on any given day, you can wake up and write down all the bad things about your life, but on any given day, the good things about our lives far outweigh the bad things. But we have a tendency to take the good things for granted and focus on the bad things. That's why praise is such a critical discipline between us and God. Praise and thanksgiving means when I wake up, God, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. God never lets a negative person into his presence. And praise and thanksgiving means I'm, doesn't mean I don't want more and it doesn't mean I don't have problems. It means I'm constantly aware of the goodness of God in my life. And upon that foundation, I ask for everything else that I want. God's like, God's like any parent. If you had a child that came to you and said, well, you're not very good parents. You're sure not as good as Billy's parents. Billy's got stuff I've never even dreamed of having. And if you want to work your way out of it, let me just tell you, there's a new Xbox out. If you buy it for me, I'll stop grabbing. Well, every parent's going to run to the store and buy something for that child. Of course you're not. You want a child that comes and says, mother and father, you're just incredible. Let me just say that right off the bat. I mean, you're just incredible parents. And thank you for the breath that's in my lungs, by the way. And... I've got a little thing to ask of you. And you know, your child comes, you do anything for that child, a thankful child. God's the same way. Men want a thankful wife. I think you're a good man. I'm thankful that I married you. You're a leader. I see it in you. I believe in you. That's, that's what men want to hear. Focus on his strengths. And when I say cover his faults, again, I'm not saying that you, um, you, you know, you enable a destructive husband. I'm just saying every man's imperfect. Don't, don't tell other people what he's doing wrong. Don't, don't focus on it. Don't, don't let it be the highlight of your life. Remind yourself every day about the good things that your husband does. And, and if, as you begin to remember that, you'll realize that's a lot. The second need that men have is sex. And so it, men are typically, 20% of women are more sexual than their husbands, but most men are more sexual than their wives. And so the way that you meet your husband's need for sex is first of all, you communicate to your husband that you accept his need and that you're committed to meeting it. I accept, I accept this need. And again, I want to say when I did pre-marriage counseling for a long time, getting you know, couples ready to be married, and regardless of how much I told the young brides about their husband's need for sex, you know, typically six months into the marriage, they're convinced they married a pervert, you know, and all... all <laughs> All he thinks about is sex. And, and typically, what, what women do is, or typically is they sometimes try to shame their husbands out of it. Like, again? <laughs> it's impossible. It is, you're, this isn't healthy. Again. 
and lectures and browbeating, and it's like, like, is, I, I accept the fact that you're more sexual than me. Okay, men gave men the need for sex and women the gift of sex, and sex is the magnet that keeps him drawing back to you. And that's really the way that it is. God gave your husband that need to keep drawing him back to you. Understand that men are visual and physical much more than women. Now, women aren't blind related to sex, but men, men are visually stimulated. They want to see their wives naked, um, which means either naked or lingerie and not flannel and <laughs> not canvas. Not, uh, I did a, a seminar one time in Baltimore and I, made, I didn't know there was a stand-up comedian in the audience and I said, uh, ladies, there's a place for flannel nightgowns and this guy yelled out, the fireplace. And that's the way we... So men don't need non-sexual touching. We want sexual touching. And, and we, want, we want to see our wives' bodies. And many women don't feel good about their bodies. And this, this is just, no man should ever compare his wife's body to any other woman. Okay. I married the most beautiful woman on the earth, period. When she's 99 years old, she will be the most beautiful woman on the earth, period. And I will never compare her to another woman, period. I will not compare my wife's body to anyone who has not paid the price to bear my children. And so, you shouldn't look at other women. You shouldn't compare your wife to any other woman. And so, but many women compare themselves and they don't feel good about themselves, but need to understand your husband has that need. Another way that you meet your husband's need for sex is be more sexual than you feel. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to your husbands in just a minute about your needs. And, and we're going to talk about communication, okay, and, and your need for open and honest communication. And many men don't, don't feel like talking. They're just not natural talkers. And so when I talk to your husband in just a minute, you're going you're to be really thankful because here's what I'm going to say to your husband. It doesn't matter how you feel about talking. You cough it up, pal. <laughs> I'm just giving you a preview of what's about to happen. It's exciting, isn't it? Okay. Doesn't matter if you feel, I don't care if you feel like talking or not, talk. Just talk. Okay. So let me rewind here for just a minute. Doesn't matter how you feel. You be sexual. You, let me talk about, let me talk for just a minute about matching libidos. Matching libidos. Okay. Having the same sex. Because some people think, well, you know, sex, you have sex in marriage when you both feel like it. You'll have sex about eight times. And <laughs> most sex in marriage is meeting a need in your spouse that you don't have. And if your wife is more sexual than you, you do that for her. You meet your, you meet your spouse's needs. Otherwise, you, you just uh, you know, leave them to their needs being unmet, which is, which is a very bad thing. Be more sexual than you feel. And be energetic and creative in meeting your husband's need. Very important. Fun and friendship is another need that men have. We want to be, fun. We want to be friends with our wives. We, I, I want Karen to be my friend. I don't want to be mothered. Is I, I, want, I want Karen to be my buddy. Men want their wives to be their best friends. And that means come out of your world into his world. And don't lose your identity in mother. You, I'm sure you're a terrific mother. But don't become matronly. And don't lose your identity in being a mother and forget that you're also his buddy. You need to come into his world. I love a story that a pastor told about a couple in his church and their marriage was on the, really, really in a bad state. And this woman, this woman went hunting with her husband one day. She, she knew that he loved to deer hunt and she said, honey, I, 
I, I want to go deer hunting with you. And um, of course, he was a little worried because he thought maybe she wanted to get him alone with a firearm. And, uh, but what she did, she came out of her world into his world and healed their marriage. They went on a hunting trip. Let me say something. Your husband will never be as open with you as when he's having fun with you. You'll be sitting somewhere having fun and all of a sudden you'll find your husband just opens up because that's the way we're wired. When you're my friend, I'll open my heart to you. Until you're my friend, I don't know because that's one of the most important needs I have. You come into my world and you be my buddy. That's what I need from you. Number four is su support at home. Now listen, men should do their equal share at home. Is that um, I... It, housework, when you get home, your job just started, it didn't end. Uh, at home, I, I vacuum, I take out the trash, I fold clothes, I, I do laundry, I don't cook for health and safety reasons. Uh, it's just better if I don't. But Karen does not pick up after me. I mean, she does sometimes, but I pick up after myself. I don't put those burdens on Karen. And, uh, but here's what I need from Karen. Women have the gift of nesting and turning a house into a home. I had a uh, uh, couple one time, and he was an interior decorator. And, uh, and she, he would come home, and she had nested. You know, she had the home, and he would redo it. And they, they were in for counseling. She was mad. Oh, she was mad. And she said, now, I like to do my house, and when he comes home, he redoes it. And he said, but it's technically incorrect. And I said, you're technically about to get killed. And... <laughs> So women are happiest when they're domestically centered, even if you work outside the home. Focus on nesting. Focus on making your home into a place that your husband can come home to. That, those are our needs. That's, you know, we need honor. We need sex. We want to be buddies, and we want support at home. Th those are our needs. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.